As Bill said, you're welcome to yawn because he doesn't want any yawning at the 1030 service. <laughs> I always tell people when I see people's heads going like that, that means they're agreeing with everything I'm saying. <laughs> and those parents that they were flying over, yes, they're spreading the news that he is risen, he is risen again. Last night I texted our, our daughter who lives here in Orange. She has her church at Calvary Chapel. And she said that she and her, her daughters are practicing their April Fool's jokes throughout. And so I texted some suggestions to her. And I said, get Brussels sprouts and cover them with chocolate and tell them they're the cake pops. <laughs> or get the plastic eggs, fill them with a lot of pebbles and then glue them shut and see if they can open them up. Or get the chocolate eggs, or no, chocolate bunnies that are hollow and filled with refried beans. <laughs> or the Cadbury chocolates, take out the icing there and put in mayonnaise, you know, all the wonderful oh. things. So here we come to uh, this title of giving up death. We often think of, let's give it up for Pastor Death, that type of thing. And let's give it up for this, but giving up death, giving up death is going to be different as we look at this. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, God, our rock and redeemer amen and so no fooling jesus is risen he is risen from the dead and today is resurrection sunday better known as easter sunday 40 days ago not counting the sundays we started the season of lent on valentine's day and we looked at our lifestyles and maybe took on a couple of spiritual discipline to kind of begin letting go letting go of things that keeps us from connecting with god as well as sometimes with one another you know, letting go of things like ego, control, superiority, even expectations, and even <clears throat> popularity. And so today is Easter, so today we're going to look at giving up death. Let's give it up for death because it's out of here. It's out of here because Jesus Christ has conquered death. And many of you may remember, I think it was in 2013, there was a TV series called The Bible by... Um, What's her name? Uh, Angel Baby. Roma Downey and her husband, Mark Burnett. And it was broadcast on the History Channel. And people waited for the last day of its uh, final series. It was on Easter Sunday of that year. And when it was broadcast, it had a, black, a, me, a blockbuster ratings of 11.7 million viewers. And even beat out that competing table, uh, cable TV series, The Walking Dead to show that God beats the zombies again, again. But you know, when you think about it, especially in, with our millennial generation, they like vampires, they like zombies, they like ghosts. How many people remember Night of the Walking Dead back in the 1960s? You know, the word zombie was never used at all. It was never used. But somehow we have this fascination with the dead or so because eternity has somehow and been set in our hearts. But our limited minds, uh, we still can't comprehend infinity just yet. And if not humanity, Hollywood has taken the lead on that by making us sing, uh, sing songs and live as if we're immortal. And so we have all these fascination of these Marvel comic characters now who are just living beyond our existence. But somehow still when it comes back to us as humans, the soul, the spirit, our essence, whatever you want to call it, it seems like it must live forever. And so in all our speculation, we created all these superheroes, these fictional characters throughout to kind of 
make them think that we can live forever. And that's what the resurrection is all about. Dead people will come back to life. And if scripture is accurate, we're going to have a serious, extreme makeover for eternity, for all eternity. A, ver a version of our bodies that can never be destroyed. So let's go back to the source. Jesus' writing on Easter morning was more than just a showy miracle to shock and all his attackers, distractors, as well as his followers. When Jesus rose, he rearranged the entire cosmic furniture, if you will. The resurrection shows us that even death does not have the last word. God does. And that last word is life. In fact, he even wrote the first word in the beginning. In the beginning. And it still is life. Suffering and death will end, but God's kingdom will last forever. But before we get too far ahead, let's go back to the scene as Pastor Bill read that. On this Easter morning, you know, some people come here to worship because they want to experience an ending of all things. And others come because they want to experience a beginning. And some will think back to Ash Wednesday at the start of our Lenten journey, and many people take that time to you know, give up those traditional three C's of chocolate, coffee, and Girl Scout cookies. Our daughter gave up Facebook for the, uh, for the 40 days. We haven't contacted her about that, so hopefully she's still doing okay. And some have, like I said, tried taking on new spiritual disciplines. And maybe just to do it as a challenge, and maybe to see if we could do it. And maybe to see if God would actually come close to us if we came close to God. You know, both Pastor Bill and I have done many, many funeral services, and, and I know sometimes people leave because it's more convenient for them because they have to go back to work, or maybe they didn't like the person in the first place, but it's convenient for them to leave, but, you know, it's not really complete until we witness the resting place, the final resting place. And we walk through this wilderness called Lent, and today we come to Easter to see it through to the very end. Some people come to Easter for something new. Churches are decked out with flowers. We've got a couple of flowers here. That's great. But there's still that story of resurrection we need to come to. There's bright, there's beautiful music. And yet somehow we have to deal with this thing called death. This thing that we have to kind of drag ourselves through from the wonderful Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday and taking the time to go through Holy Week. And sometimes we need something new, something fresh for our weary souls. And especially this week, it's been a good thing to be tired in this very special way. But what is it that we find in this reading, this Easter passage? The tomb is empty. And it's been empty for centuries now. So it's like, what's new to hear? And it's easy to get distracted, not because the parrots are flying over, but when we read the story from Matthew, and I made a mistake, I'm supposed to read John or Luke, that's a lectionary, but I just went ahead and wrote this message and use Matthew and said, but oh, it's basically the same story. Maybe, maybe not. But when I look at Matthew, it's what I would call the loudest, the loudest of all the gospel accounts, something that might attract attention of a movie producer like uh, James Cameron or Steven Spielberg, because you know them, they make hyperactive movies and it's fun watching their films. So let's give it a Hollywood treatment, if you will. It's the first day of the week. The sun is just coming out in the garden where two women, Mary and Mary, are going towards the grave to see Jesus. And they come to the grave for 
maybe completion. But suddenly there's an earthquake. I told you this was big. As if the earthquake wasn't enough, there is this angel that comes down from the skies and rolls away the stone and sits on this stone. The angel is bright like lightning and his clothes are just white as snow. And the guards, if you remember, yeah, there were guards if you remember. There are guards and why are they there? They're there to watch over the dead guy there, Jesus, so that no one would steal the body and claim that he was alive. And these Pharisees said, we want guards to watch the tomb to make sure that he stays dead. We don't want to give it up for death right here. And did you catch that irony? Because in the story, what happened to the Roman soldiers? They fell like dead men. They're supposed to watch the dead men, but they fell like dead men. It's wonderful reading this story. But that's the stage setting, if you will. But pay attention. Matthew wants to show you more wonderful things. And look how the earth shakes. Look how the angel comes down. Look how the guards fall out. There's so much going on that you can miss it of what doesn't happen. What doesn't happen? Jesus does not come out of the grave. Did you catch that? You know, we see all the Hollywood movies. We see the rock rolling away and Jesus coming out. But in this account, it doesn't happen. Matthew is the only of the four gospel accounts that gives us the tomb actually opening up. The other three, it's already happened when the story begins. But even here, the tomb is already empty and Jesus is already gone. He's moved out, he's departed, he's famous, he's left the scene. You kind of get the picture. The special effects, they are impressive. But the resurrection took place before all those pyrotechnics. In fact, the dramatic displays may distract us from what is real, what is important, and that leaves the world clueless. You know, it's easy to get distracted. You know, it happens to our lives every day. We need to stay focused, as they say. We come to Easter to the garden just like the women did. We're preoccupied with grief and with worries, with a sense of guilt, with loss, utterly detached from anything secure. But the resurrection comes to tell us that grief and loss and lostness, they're not the sum total of our lives. There's something more. Perhaps we're attuned to the anxieties of the powerful, the authorities who posted the guards, all these wonderful things. But when things are in such a disarray, disarray, that's when things are ripe for transformation. You know, people may try to crucify hope, but they will fail because God has a terrible habit of giving hope to hopeless situations. And we can also be distracted by earthquakes, not just the natural ones, but the intentional evil human disasters. And we've seen them, you know, mudslides, drop, fires, crashes, ferry boat sinking, missile strikes, chemical warfare, school shootings, terrorist attacks, and suicide bombers. They're in the news every single day. And we may think the horrors we face are a sign that God has abandoned us. But the resurrection comes to tell us that earthquakes don't have the last say. They never do. And even the angel can draw our attention away. He only rolled the stone away to see that the tomb was empty. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. This scene kind of reminds me, if you remember, the old Twilight Zone. I, I love it with Rob Sterling in those days. You know, he's standing there with a cigarette, you know, just smoking away. But it's that, that voiceover. You're traveling another dimension a dimension not only of sight and sound but of mind a journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are behold the imagination that's the signpost up ahead it reads 
he's alive. <laughs> but the most important encounter in the story happens when Jesus meets the woman. Without any added on drama, they come and hold on to him, make sure he's not floating around like some avatar as such. And it really is Jesus. In fact, he provides the focus we need in our world of distractions. And maybe there are things all around us that are always catching our eyes and not the important things, things that are not quite real, but it still catches us off, off guard. And maybe it's that empty tomb we need to look at. And maybe it's not so much empty. And we've heard that uh, saying that nature abhors a vacuum. And we know what it's like. Think about clutter. Think about your garage. It's always being filled with stuff. And empty space implies a lack, if you will, as if the only thing to say about the tomb that the body is missing. But what if it's open space? open to the possibility that God's new thing is happening, that space can be filled. And we have a choice. You know, when presented with this space, we can ignore it. After all, who's going to challenge us if it just passes by? The world will still be defined by its problems and its brokenness. But what if, what if we choose to live in this new space, this open space, which God has opened up in this very place that the world marks as death. And then our lives get redefined, redefined and reoriented. And suddenly the God who speaks behind the distractions can instruct us to boldly go where we have never been before. Are we game? Oops, for you English teachers, I'm sorry I should say go boldly because you aren't supposed to split infinitives, right? Only God can split infinity and he does that with the resurrection. But I, I digress here. Easter Sunday challenges us to see and to choose what really matters. Will we see in the open tomb what the Bible declares of God saying, I have loved you with a love that lasts forever? Will we see the psalmist's affirmation that God has remained in a faithful love? Or will we only be like the guards by the tomb and unable to see anything because we're dead in life and spirit? Easter is a miracle of seeing, and it isn't automatic. It takes open hearts to see what God is doing with this open space. If we're honest, most of us have thought about ways we should like to change our bodies. We have on our calendars, Julie and I, that on certain days we have to register for Medicare, all those wonderful things. We dream about bodies that one day will not just be perfect, but will also be immune to sickness. Our bodies can never die because death will be dead. Because Jesus' work on the cross means we don't even have to fear death. And Paul knew it when he mocked death, when he said, Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. But God got it nailed and nailed it to the cross to make a spectacle of it. And out of all the stories in the Bible, Jesus is the only one who raised himself from the dead. Think about that. Yeah, there are other people who came to life. There's Lazarus and other kids that Jesus raised. But everyone else, they were just, in many ways, temporarily revived. They came back to life for a while, but down the road, they had to die again. A resurrected person is immortal, Jesus. Imagine what it would be like to have that physical body and yet never have to fear death ever again. Without death to fear, then we are truly free to live. 
Every year, some two million people from all over the world visit St. Paul's Cathedral in London, and they have to pay an admission price to see the magnificent architecture built in the 17th century. But a primary mission of that cathedral is to enable all people and all their diversity to come and encounter the transforming power and the presence of God in Jesus Christ. And yeah, if you want to tour the building, you have to pay an admission price, and that's, that's fine. But you know what? There's no charge to come and worship at the cathedral. So how much does it cost to enter the kingdom of God? Nada. It's free. Entry is free because Jesus Christ paid the price for us for this debt. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Oswald Chambers, he wrote that wonderful classic, My Utmost for His Highest. He said this, all heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. All hell is terribly afraid of it, while men are the only beings who more or less ignore its meaning. My responsibility as a pastor would not be complete if I failed to say that on the first Easter Sunday nearly 2,000 years ago, as well as today, that all of us can enter a new life right now because by his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, Jesus has paid the price of admission. Jesus paid the price so that we can enter God's kingdom. And if that is our heart's desire to renew it or to do it for the first time, I have three words for you. Consent, repent, and relent. Consent, that means accepting the truths of the Bible that Jesus is the Son of God who loves you so much that he lived, died, and rose again from the dead to bridge that gap in our relationship with God so that we can have this spiritual makeover. Repent, admitting that we, like all of humanity, we've sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And by asking God into our life, we are filled with grace and forgiveness that gives us a peace. And then relent, agreeing to let go of the past and to trust the Holy Spirit to lead us into a new way of living as we embrace the grace of God The great evangelist Billy Graham once said, the resurrection of Christ changed the midnight of bereavement into a sunrise of reunion. It changed the midnight of disappointment into a sunrise of joy. It changed the midnight of fear to a sunrise of peace. A few years ago, he penned this, when I die, tell others that I've gone to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where I am. On February 21st, just five and a half weeks ago, Billy Graham changed his address to heaven. Now, this may be our reality of the God who fills the empty space, the empty tomb, of our hearts, of our souls, on this Easter, this resurrection day. He is risen. He is risen from the dead. He's alive. He's alive indeed. And there's no fooling about that. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh God, bless us this morning with resurrection rampage. A rampage that summons us to shout yes to the birth of new creation in our midst. May we experience this birthquake of new life 
in our lives and in our church. The sun is up, the son of God that is real for us. And we are up with the sun. We are your Easter people from this day forward. And we praise your holy name.